Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, I have frustrated some again. We do not have palms this Palm Sunday. I ask for your forgiveness. One Sunday we will. One glad morning. We will have palms. This is nine years now, and we always go, gosh, we, got, we don't have palms. But receive the palm in your heart. Amen. <laughs> We're going to be looking in uh, First Peter. But I want to take you back real quick uh, to think of some imagery in the Old Testament. Uh, If you know the name Moses, you know that Moses, this is the the no, no movement zone right here. If you know the name Moses, you know that Moses is a key figure in the Old Testament. But Moses had a brother named Aaron. And Aaron uh, would eventually, from his lineage, would have the priestly line. And so priests came essentially from a tribe, from one one individual. And these priests, they did sacrifices, they did many things. But priests did really two things for the most part. They would represent the people to God and the God to people, and they would remain close to God. They were mediators And yet they were also intimate. The high priests would go into what you would call the holy of holies. The most intimate connection you have with God is to be close to him. And only the priests were allowed to get that close. And so the people would come, talk to the priest, confess to the priest. Because they thought, you're close to God. And that was the priest's role. But... In the book of Exodus, chapter 19, God says a vision that never really gets fulfilled in the Old Testament, but gets fulfilled in the New. In this vision, it says it this way in Exodus 19. It says, now, therefore, if you will indeed, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, You shall be my treasured possession. Would you say that with me? Treasured possession among all the peoples. So think of that. Peoples, my possession. Then he says, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Say that with me. Kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So God's vision was actually that he would have his own people that would be his possession. And they would be not a kingdom of warriors, not a kingdom of leaders, not a kingdom of political figures, rather a kingdom of priests. Not just one tribe, everybody. God said, what if we were all priests? That's the vision he had. But unfortunately, Israel failed in this vision. Israel, unfortunately, wanted a king like all the other nations. 
And so instead of being this kingdom of priests, they conquered, they dominated, they fought, they squabbled like all the other nations. God wanted them to remain close to him and have all these representative priests and mediators out in the world. Even when you look in the New Testament, when we think about Palm Sunday and Jesus entering into the temple and all the people, Gentiles, all these different types of people, lepers are yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the Pharisees, they're wondering, why are these people shouting out for you? Jesus is trying to extend the kingdom to all types of people. The Pharisees wanted to be close to God, but they wanted their closeness to God to remain for themselves. Same issue that happened in the Old Testament was happening in the New. That's why the issue of the Pharisees was so relevant in the New Testament. Israel wanted to keep God for themselves, and so did the Pharisees. <clears throat> Every uh, Wednesday, I get... Um, breakfast with my daughters. It's, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> I, I, I find all about all the things in school. And this past Wednesday, I just asked them, I said, who, you know, who's the in crowd? And they named the person that's the in and the people and the things and why she do that and all the drama that ensued after that. <clears throat> but you remember middle school and high school, there was an in crowd, right? It was based upon being athletic or being cute or being fashionable. There was an in crowd. <clears throat> then you graduated and you went to college and you found out there's still an in crowd. Oh my goodness. There, you know, if you pledged this or did that or had this or had that, there was an in crowd. Then you went to work and you were like, you know, there's an in crowd here too. If you know the people and know the vibes and know all this and close to this person, and do you know him? And I know them. And there was an in crowd. And do you know that there's always an in crowd and religious people do it too? And interestingly enough, the key to keeping an in crowd is making sure you don't invite people. So you'll either invite or be an in crowd. And the, in fact, what cuts through being an in crowd is invitation, is allowing other people in. It's not getting your identity out of being in. And when Jesus died and the veil was torn, the people of God became the in crowd. We were the ones that were close to God. We became these people that were now intimate. And the book of Hebrews tells us that there's no need for a priest anymore, that now we have access to God. But now we are representatives. He even calls us his temple. But the question remains, will we be these people who announce invitations into relationship with this God we know? And this God that we serve. I wonder if you would turn with me to the book of First Peter, if you're not there already. First Peter chapter two, verses four and five. 
If you remember last week, we, we talked about how Peter is trying to get these folks who are exiled and they're around all these people that don't know God. He's trying to get them to know their identity as being holy. And he talked about craving on the pure milk of the word, growing and changing. And so he was giving them hope for change. And yet here, as he transitions in these next few verses, he is trying to give them a reminder of their identity as priests that we are to proclaim hope to the nations. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, a living stone, watch this, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. These people are exiled. They're around people that don't know God. So he is giving them the imagery that you are currently rejected simply because you know God. But he goes on to say, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. So he's saying Jesus was rejected by men. You will be rejected by men. But look what he says. You yourselves are living stones being built into a spiritual house. Jump down to verse 9. He repeats this idea. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, twice in there, he talks about a priesthood. He calls it a holy priesthood, and then he calls it a royal priesthood. And earlier, if you saw, he says, you're being built up into the spiritual house. Jesus, as the chief cornerstone of this house, Jesus rejected by many saying, just like Jesus was rejected by men, but chosen by God, you might be rejected by men, but God has chosen you to use you to build up a spiritual house. And he says, priests are what you are. Now I know you got a lot of different jobs and got a lot of different identities, but ultimately you are my possession and in the world, you're a priest, a representative for me. And I love the imagery that he says, you are being built up for that. Corporately, we are being built up to be representatives of God. Corporately, we are being built up to remain close to God. Now, it would be okay if you thought to yourself, I ain't nobody's priest. I am not ready to be a priest. It's okay if you've come in here with this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to love God and do the best I can. That's okay. But wherever you are, know that the vision for you is to live as a priest in your neighborhood and to be the priest of your family, and to be the priest amongst your friends. What an honor when people come and say, can you pray for me? 
Intrinsic in that is you're my priest. Now there's people who ask in for wishes and prayers and incense and all types of stuff. I get that. But I'm saying that there are people that look at your walk and they say, can you, no, 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 can you pray for me? And I want you to know that that may not be where you are now, but that is the trajectory for your life. God's vision for your life is that you would be a priest and he would have a kingdom of priests. If you just started walking with God yesterday, the vision for your life is to be a part of this kingdom of priests. That's the vision. <laughs> there is a, so, so you think to yourself, sometimes when you, when, when I, when you talked about inviting people, I, I want you to know, I don't want you to invite moral people. Well, you seem like you'd like church. So <laughs> I, I'm not talking about moral people. In fact, I'm talking about people that think they have no business being here. There's this incredible imagery in Zechariah. I want to share it with you real quick. Zechariah, Zechariah 3, it says in Zechariah 3, 1, Zechariah has this vision. And as he sees this vision, something powerful happens. He sees Joshua, the high priest. There's many Joshuas in the Bible. This Joshua was a high priest, a different Joshua than the one you may thinking, be thinking about. He says, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Okay. Incredible vision. Then it says in verse three, now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, verse five, let them put a clean turban on his head so that a, so that, so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed them with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Here's this priest. Now, one of the things you have to understand is Priests have what we call priestly garments. And you say, well, man, I never worn that. But, but if you were invited to the White House, I'm going to presume you would dress up. If you were to go to the Oscars, I'm going to presume you would dress up. Emmys, Grammys, all the same. Because there's a different garment you wear to match the level of importance of the people. Priestly garments were the same way that you would get dressed up, that the high priest had this incredible garment. <laughs> and the word here in verse four, this is what I want you to say. Uh, see, um, well, in verse three, it says, he's clothed, but he's in filthy garments. And, and I want you to see that, this, that Satan is accusing him. And so what would he be accusing him of? He'd be accusing of these filthy garments he's wearing. In other words, how dare you think you can be before the presence of God in such, a, such filthy garments because part of the holiness of God is the cleanliness of the environment. Now, here's how hard this verse goes. This word filthy don't mean dirty. 
This word filthy is the same word that if you saw dogs doing what they do out there so randomly all day, or what we like to call uh, the number two, praise God, that's, that's what filthy means. I want you to see him in filthy garments. If you've ever been tracking anything on your shoe, you've walked into somebody's house and, you, and you're so apologetic, like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I dirtied up your home. What, what can I do? But I want you to imagine going before the most important meeting of your life in the boardroom and you're tracking poop on your shoe. And you walk in there and you're like, I'm so embarrassed, I can't believe I've done that. He's in filthy garments. And God says, no, 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 no. Just change the garments, but I want to keep him. And the imagery there is God gives us his righteousness so that he, we might be in his presence. Your intimacy with God was never based upon your ability to perform for God. It's always been because he changed your garments and he says, no, 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 just I'll change the clothes, but I want to keep them close. This is the fight of the New Testament, because in the New Testament, Jesus keeps going to people he has no business going to. Tax collectors, prostitutes, all the lepers, all these different people that everyone's saying they have no business being there. But Jesus is fighting for the people that feel like I shouldn't be here. And I want you to know, I don't care what your past is. He will change your garments. He wants to keep you close and he wants you to be his priest. If you've been a prostitute, get changed, but now be a priest to the prostitutes. If you've been a tax collector, get changed. Now, but, but make sure you go back and be a priest to the tax collectors. Just understand, we want you to love the community. You got to get changed first. Amen. You got to change them clothes, but go back to the people that you once did dirt with and you, but, but come back in the right clothes. Now don't wear those same clothes up in there. Yeah. Get changed and now be their priest. You're the priest. You're the representative of God before those people. You're not like them anymore. He's changed your clothes because he's changed your righteousness. Oh, we are recruiting priests. Amen. We're recruiting priests. We're recruiting people to be transformed by God. Now, functionally, if you can pray on your own, why would you tell, why would you have anybody else pray for you? You ever think about that? Like if I can pray for myself, why would I even talk to you about what I'm going through? Some of you wrestle with that. Like if I can talk to God, why tell people? And so this is the imagery of not just having a priest, but a priesthood. What, what happens when we have a community of priests? In James 5 and 16, living as priests, this is why the Bible says confess your sins to James, to the pastor, to the elder, to, to one another. And pray for one another that you might be healed. That's what it looks like functionally to live as a priest, that we all have access to God and that means that we now can come to one another and pray over one another. You see, the truth is, if it's our duty to be priests, to remain close to God and to be God's representatives, the truth is that that gets hard over time. You run out of gas. Just staying close to God is challenging. 
just walking with God, then trying to be this priest at your job, in your home, you run out of gas doing that. And the Bible says you need other representatives to come alongside of you, but not to give you advice, but to give you prayer. I think we would confess sins more often if we didn't have, if our first step wasn't advice and therapeutic thinking. But what if our first step was intercession? That, hey, I'm here just to come before the living God. I'm going to pray prayers. And hopefully while I'm praying, you can feel the sense of God's, uh, God's presence in my life. And that covers you. And some of you have come tired. You're trying to walk with God. But some of it is you're walking with God in isolation. And that's, that's, what's, that's what's seeping away from your vitality in your walk. You need a priest. You need a kingdom of priests, a community of priests to come around you. And so the scripture tells us that we need that. And, and, and now I do want to note the rest of the verse goes, the prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working. And so functionally living as a priest means, um, the Bible doesn't say just confess to anybody. It says, you know, the prayers of a righteous person availeth much. Amen. For my King James people. (laughs) My mom would be like great power in its working availeth much. (laughs) What it's saying is as your life becomes more aligned with God, your prayers become more effective. Over time, your prayers should start changing because you're changing. Unchanged life has have unchanged prayers, but a changed life will have changed prayers, more godly prayers. Prayers align more to his will. But I just want to show you a few more things because I want you to live functionally as a, a priest, priest in your home, a priest at your job knowing that you've been invited into relationship with God. He goes on in James 5, verses 17 through 18. All of a sudden, James, the brother of Jesus, says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. In verse 17, it says that he prayed fervently. Do you know, in, in the Greek, it literally says he prayed with prayer. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating statement. Because what he's saying is he prayed and he was really praying. Now, I'm not going to go too much of a deep dive in that, but somehow James is like, some of y'all praying, but y'all ain't really praying. (laughs) But he said he prayed with prayer. If you look in the book of 1 Kings 18, God tells them, tells Elijah, it's going to rain. So Elijah begins to pray based upon the promise he knows from God. Now, Elijah has a great resume. Elijah saw fire come down from heaven. Elijah saw rain come down based upon his prayers. The most fascinating part of this text to me is when it says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Now, this is the brother of Jesus. 
So he's like, I didn't say Jesus was a man with a nature like Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was just like us. There is no difference between you and Elijah. I know we want to have great spiritual champions in our minds. There are people that you look up to spiritually. Elijah, Moses, Peter. There are people you look at here in our church and you're like, oh, look at their walk with God. Look how much they love God. But I want you to know they are men and women just like you with a nature like yours. And here's what I want you to see. The power of Elijah's prayer isn't that he called fire down from heaven. And it isn't that he had rain happen. You know what was the power in Elijah's prayer? Look back in the text. It says, he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And we're like, wow, that's amazing. Don't miss this part. For three years and six months. Saints, that's a long time. Let's just call it four years. Why not? Why not? Let's just call it. That's, that's the whole pandemic. Amen. Huh? Huh? The power in that isn't the rain and it's not the fire. It's the perseverance. It's I still believe. It was God's promise. There was no power in the prayer itself. There's no unique words he used. He kept believing month after month after month. And he kept trusting. What if we started praying audacious prayers? I'm saying prayers that would change the world. We think the prayer itself is in the power. It is in the endurance of the prayer. And the perseverance, because you will continue to persevere in prayer when you don't look at prayer as an activity, but rather as an identity. You pray not just as a function. Praying is who you are. You're a priest. And you're a part of this kingdom of priests. And so it's not, it doesn't rely solely on the spiritual leaders here. We are a kingdom of priests. A kingdom with a king that we rely solely on. Lastly, in 1 Peter 2, 9, he comes back to this idea of being a chosen race a royal priesthood, which we've talked about. But then he says, a people of his own possession. I don't have time to go into that, but when you think of people of his own possession, we think of someone holding on to something. A people of his own possession. What if I told you that there's someone here right now, demon-possessed? Like demon-possessed. You'd be like, oh. Oh my goodness. What if I invited that person up here and I'm like, this person's demon possessed. You'd be like, oh my gosh. Or if I said, there's someone in the back demon possessed. You'd be like, well, get, get, get the mace. Get, 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 get a, get a bat. Get some incense, something, something. Throw a Bible at them. Like if I told you someone was demon possessed, you'd be like, oh my gosh. Now, what if I told you there was a whole group of people possessed by demons? 
you'd be like, oh my gosh. You, you would think, you, you would think of, you know, uh, uh, what is that? The, the living dead, those, those, that show, walk, walking dead. Oh my gosh, here they come. These people are possessed by demons. But this text says something different. What if a whole group of people were possessed by God? That the spirit of God so possessed. In fact, I think it's wild that we put more credit in demons than what the spirit of God could do if we were all just filled up. And I believe, listen, I believe not in the people, but it is in the power of God filling the people. What if we were all possessed? I believe cancer will get changed and rearranged in people's lives. I believe marriages will come back together and lives would change. I believe whole families would be back together. And I believe miracles upon miracles would happen, not because the church is doing something unique, but because everybody's possessed by the living God. What if a whole church was possessed? Well, he leaves us. I believe that God is calling you to invite people, all types of people. And I pray that we all get a chance to come on that prayer call and get filled up. You go back in so that you can go back out. But I want you to know that this last part in 1 Peter 2.9 says that all this happens that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. The last part is proclamation. That you would live functionally as a priest, but it is so that you would proclaim his excellencies. God has given you an opportunity through your gifting, through your talent, through your network and relationships to not just be you, but that you might proclaim his excellencies. And here's what I want to tell you. You are less effective in doing whatever you do if you take away your identity as a priest and you use your platform to proclaim anything else other than his excellencies. You will never be what you could fully be if you do not proclaim his excellencies. Years ago, I uh, went to a Run DMC concert. For all the saints that don't know who that is, <laughs> Google it and shame on you, praise God. <laughs> but we went to a, it was a, it was a old, it was, it was literally like an old school hip hop uh, concert. And, um, there were people popping and locking, but I just want you to know, old school has whole new meaning now because I thought I was going to see some bones falling on the ground. Folks, folks are old. We were old. We should, we should not have been dancing. Amen. And, uh, but it was, it was great. It was a great time. LL Cool J was there and all these people are coming up on stage. This is a true story. Then Run from Run DMC is up there. And he's, he's up there just talking about being run. But run, I didn't, you know, I think some of y'all know this. He's rev, rev run, right? And so he just starts, he comes out and he's like, yeah, I'm rev run. He's like, but not tonight. I was like, oh, snap. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not rev run tonight. So y'all think I'm soft. And then just goes on this curse-filled tirade about, yeah, this, that, and the other, da, 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 da. 
And so my wife and I were like, Red Front is wilding out, you know? <laughs> True story. While he's going in about how he's not Rev Run tonight, his microphone goes out. But that's not the wild part. He doesn't know his mic goes out because he can still hear himself. So people start yelling, yo, run, we can't hear you, but he doesn't hear them. So he's up there, yeah, so you know what I'm saying, I'm all these things, da 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 da. And people start leaving because they can't hear him. You see, what he didn't realize was all that he did doesn't matter if he doesn't have microphones because microphones take what he has and magnifies his voice beyond what he could do. He was in the Barclay Center. His small voice cannot fill the Barclay Center, but if you add the microphones, it now magnifies his small voice. And I want you to know that when you decide to proclaim God's excellencies, on the platform he has given you, he will magnify your voice and he will have you saying and doing things beyond what you can do. But if you were to ever trade out your identity and say, Lord, I don't want to be a priest today. Not today. I need a break. I'm going to be a priest. But I'm going to be a diet priest. I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to go all the way. I'm going to just live halfway for you. I believe whatever desire you have will not meet its full potential because everything changes when you have God as your microphone, when he is dynamically magnifying his excellencies. Well, this morning, my prayer is that we could take a moment and center ourselves on the things of God. Underneath your chairs, there should be communion. If you don't have one, If you don't have one, just raise your hand. And just take a second to undo the plastic on the very top. And pull out the bread. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And the scriptures tell us that he did it in such a way that we would know that God was doing something new. Would you take the bread, break it, and eat? Now undo the second part. On the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he had taken a cup, he poured wine into it. And he said, this cup, it's a new covenant in my blood. Take and drink. Would you take the cup and drink? Would you stand with me?
Father, communion is a moment where we are reminded that we get to be close to you. That your body and your blood are ever so close and we are ever so intimate with you. God, forgive us if we've ever hoarded our relationship with you. God, we want to be the kind of people that tell everyone about you. We want to be your representatives in the world and we want to remain close to you. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill us, fill our hearts, Remind us of your goodness and your mercy. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen. We can depend on you, God. And so it's because of that. God, would you give me not only a vision for my life, but help me to see my true identity, not just as a leader or a lawyer or a doctor. Help me see my identity as a priest wherever I am. Fill me with your spirit that I might be everything you've called me to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging to you. We would love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. If this message was impactful to you today, please send us an email, info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handles on our social media platforms is Bridge Church NYC. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you are in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services on Sundays are at 11 a.m. and the address is 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope to see you soon.